Welcome to Nine Bob Note with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nine Bob Note. I am Paul. And I am Ken. Bonjour, la everybody. <laughs> what have you got for us this time? Woke me up before you go go. I think I'm going to like this. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit how, uh, uh, because we, we always we, we always use the term woke and it's sort of become a bit of a, a term of abuse. Mm. And a lot of the time making something or being woke isn't actually that bad. What, you, what you're actually trying to do is just include people. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up now is because there's a number of people, it, go, it kind of goes back to our outrage episode from a few weeks ago, where something happens and there's a load of outrage about it because it's it's woke, it's political correctness gone mad. And the latest example of this was, uh, I don't know if you saw the huge controversy about the M&Ms. <laughs> Your face suggests the <laughs> There's a vague flicker of something. Oh, were they, did they include colours or take a colour away or something? Uh, the the M&M's adverts, particularly in America, um, have, have always been uh, that the different colours of M&M's have been different characters. Mm. And one of, the, one of the characters, the green M&M, has always been uh, quite a sexy lady character wearing high heels, big eyelashes. They've recently rebranded them. And what, what they've done is they've given each of them like a bio... Uh, you know, and a little bit, a little bit of a backstory. The green M M&M, and M. Uh, she now no longer wears high heels. She's still a, a woman, but she wears trainers. Uh, and there's this guy on Fox News, of course. Um, and he, you say that as if I'm a big aficionado <laughs> of Fox News. I've never seen a frame, and I don't ever, ever intend to. No, but you, like you, you hear, <laughs> it's sort of like. The Daily uh, well, Mail on television, exactly. isn't it? Yeah, I, I suppose it's like it's like the Daily Mail and GB News <laughs> rolled into one. We'll but, come on to this in another podcast. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, there was this guy on, you know, in one of the opinion slots on mm. Fox News, and it, and the videos on YouTube. He goes on for about five five minutes. How disgusting it is that they've, <laughs> you know, the woke PC brigade have basically meant that he is now. He's not allowed to be sexually attracted to a... A green m M&M. A green m M&M. <laughs> I mean, You know, but his anger and his outrage at it is just ridiculous. And another another example, quite quite a famous example, and you're going to have to get the alarm ready. Oh, not again. No. <laughs> is the Greg's, the bakery, a couple of years ago, launched... A vegan sausage roll. Now, Greg's sausage rolls are quite famous. Everyone loves a Greg mm-hmm. sausage roll. They launched a vegan version of it simply because they recognise that more and more people are leading a vegan lifestyle. More and more people are choosing to eat meat free, and therefore they couldn't go to Greg's because there was nothing for them there. So, rather than lose those customers, they invented a vegan sausage roll and launched it. Piers Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> went on a huge rant about the woke 
snowflake brigade driving. Um, and it's like, how does it affect you? They, they haven't replaced the original sausage rolls. Nobody's forcing you to eat it. Nothing's been taken off the menu. They've added to the menu. Why is this so bad? But it's just, they always sort of sneak in that word woke because people go, oh, yeah, I don't like woke people. And it's like, mm. I do know where you're coming from, yes. Uh, the, the vegan sausage roll thing, I, I never quite understood because it wasn't like we were all being forced to eat vegan sausage rolls. It was just mm. there. I mean, it was, it was odd, and they are disgusting. They're monumentally <laughs> awful. Uh, but woke in, I mean, isolated examples like that, you know, where you're getting wound up about a bloody M&M for that. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you've no argument there. But the woke in terms of drilling everything down to who it's going to offend. The problem now that you've got with wokeness is that it's turning everything very bland. That's the problem I've got with this. It's not, you have your vegan sausage rolls. You will not catch me with one in my hand. It's just not. I will always go for the meaty option. Mm. Slaughter me something and I will eat that. <laughs> you, you have your whatever it is that goes into it. But... I think it particularly pertains to literature and TV and films and things where every character's got to be drilled down so far. Is this character, you know, what's he wearing? You know, would would people wear that? I mean, if if you put them in that, are you excluding a, a minority? So, And it's drilled down so far as to what people are that every character you see on screen now Yes, you've ticked all the boxes, the disabled one and a black one and a, an Indian one and a, you know, a token nasty white one. But they're all the same person. There's no distinct personalities. You can't have, if you have, I mean, it's got to the point where if a character on screen is in any way portrayed as negative, if they're not white, there's a big backlash. Uh, there was a, a couple of years ago, there was a live action remake of Mulan. Now, mm -hmm. I've not seen the original, so I don't know the cartoon version, but strangely enough, they filmed some of it in China. Yes. <clears throat> which is where it's bloody well set. You can't do that. That's you approving of the Chinese regime. No, it, it's not. It's set in China. They filmed <laughs> it in China. And there was this big backlash of the lead actress. She found herself in the ludicrous position of having to defend why they'd filmed in China. <laughs> It's nonsense. The, you, the woke brigade. Now let's be. Let's take divorce it from the Eminem <laughs> style of of woke attackees to the woke brigade that just will just go after anything. You're sanitizing the entire. There's just this grey wash that's being applied to everything now. Where you look at even something like BBC iPlayer, you'll turn it on. All the programs look exactly the same on the title cards. They're all this even spread of ethnicities and backgrounds, generic titles. The synopses and descriptions of the programs are all... Nothing's leaping out anymore. And it's no real surprise that people are fighting back against this when every single bit of individuality or every character that might be a little bit stereotypical or a little bit different it's sanitised and dragged back so as not to offend. And I think that's where the woke comes in as a as a term of, not abuse, but sort of derision. Yeah, there is that. But then you also have the, and it goes back to something that we, we've spoken about quite a lot, is that, for, for example, if you had a film with a bad guy and 
there was a black person on the cast, mm. that black person, the bad guy would be the black person. And, and Oh, I don't know. Oh, give me an example. I don't know. We're talking about the olden days. <laughs> oh, um, but, but, but there, there has been, there have been a lot of that. And, and it is because, I mean, if, if we're, talk, we're talking about colour, white people obviously have dominated the, the film and mm, TV industry yes. for, for many, many years. So obviously a lot of the time the bad person in a film was white because everyone in the film was white. It's just a little bit different because it's easy for us as white men to sit here and say, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't like it because you have, a, a, say, a new BBC drama and it's a family drama and... At the moment, nine times out of ten, that family, no matter what situation they're in, if it's, it's a, be mixed, there, but there'll be a mixed race family. So one of the parents will be black, one of them will be white, mixed race children. And uh, the argument that we've had is that not all families are like that. The vast majority of yes. families aren't like that. Yes. Yeah. But then, by having those people in the roles, then there is something for everyone in terms of inclusivity. That's the theory. In practice, it doesn't work like that because I, I can't imagine that there are too many black families out there that think we relate to that because the father's black. I just don't see it. I think it would be better if you had what is far more likely to, to occur in real life, a black family and a white mm. family and an Indian family. And you see the interactions between those households rather than trying to blend them all together into this horrible mishmash that you'd never find in real life, or you no, not never find, that you'd you'd not often find in, in real life. Of course it goes on. Of course there are plenty of, of mixed-race families. Nothing wrong with it, nothing at all. I'm, I'm certainly not saying it's a, you know, a, an odd thing. or an odd, <laughs> But it's not the norm. Mm. And you, you find yourself in a situation where, well, I don't identify with any of those. Yeah. So... That white man, white woman, he's married to a, a black one, black man, black woman, uh, Indian, Pakistan, whatever, and they've got mixed race kids. So all of a sudden, I don't identify with any of that scenario whatsoever. Yeah. So, and it, the same will be true on the other side. Rather than having a black family that, you know, they they invest in black culture, maybe they don't, maybe they're, they're very westernized and, and it's completely Western culture. Or an Indian family, you know, they've got the they're subsumed with, with Indian culture and um, what have you, and they brought it over to, to England and that's the, the life they live. Or again, perhaps not. Perhaps it's all very westernised and they just happen to be Indian living in England rather than, oh, look, uh, you know, he's, he's in his room, he's listening to Bangra music, and then you've you, you've got uh, no, you've got Amjad upstairs, and he, he's uh, he's listening to Radio One. It's just too much of a stretch of the imagination that people live like that. It's just not the norm. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm I'm all for, one for pushing the envelope, but every single program is like this. Every single program has got to tick the diversity box with every character, so that every character now is being they're just being stretched in a million directions, and you can't latch onto any of them because they're not real. Yeah. There. I mean, there was um, so last year there was a, a crime drama. I think it was on ITV. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, and it was. You know, one of those six six episodes, fairly generic crime drama, um, featuring a male detective, female detective, 
but the the male character in it was gay the you know the male detective and there were so many comments and complaints about well why does he have to be gay you know why why have you made that character gay there's no there's no reason for it why can't he just be normal mm. and uh, <laughs> 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 You get everywhere, uh, you yes. lot, just infecting but us all. That's it. But the response was, well, why can't he be gay? You know, why Why wouldn't he be? And that's being inclusive. His husband in the show was in it for a couple of scenes. Yeah. And it was just those, at the end of the day, how's your day been? That kind of thing. You know, it didn't matter whether he was gay or not. But it was nice that they thought about that and thought, well, actually, you know, let's make him gay people were offended by it the, re- the remake of around the world in 80 days or the you know mm. the new adaptation that was on over christmas the sidekick guy yeah i can't remember his Pas- name passepartout he was called oh yes, yes yes yeah was played bl- by a black guy mm-hmm. uh, by a black actor oh <laughs> well this is disgraceful it's political correctness gone mad they were just catering to the work again the character was a french waiter mm. In all likelihood, at that time of uh, at that time of history, quite probably would have been black anyway. And also, what difference does it make? What color his skin is? It doesn't make it any difference. Doesn't. But the problem is, we've got to. Uh, I mean, the, around the world next days, that was it was sort of late eighteen hundreds. That would have been uh, written and set. Europe at that time was not as multicultural as people are trying to paint it to be. And when you've got these historical stories. It does take you out of it a bit if you've if you've got these twenty first century diverse casts in something which is set in a period of history which in or in settings which were predominantly white and it, you you're just dragging yourself out of the the story just enough to think to to question it now in the most recent film version of Around the World in 80 Days, that character was played by Jackie Chan. <laughs> Again, it's just, it's a twist in the tale, mm. but you're just pulling, it's not like Around the World in 80 Days has been done to death, that there's so many adaptations of it that we could do with doing something a bit different with this one, guys. It's like the War of the Worlds. There's never been, there's never still to this day there has not been a faithful adaptation of the War mm. of the Worlds. It's a good story. There's so much in there we've still never seen on screen yet. Why did the BBC have to do that horrific nightmare a couple of years back? What a wasted opportunity because we've got to do something different. Why can't you just tell the original story? You're the BBC. You do period dramas better than anyone else on the planet. Why do you have to be all woke and diverse about it? Why can't you just tell the story with a a white cast in a period of history in a period of London where it was predominantly, why can't you just tell the story? You make so many other things that have got lovely diverse casts in it. And and they need to be, modern day dramas need to be. You cannot have a full white cast in anything nowadays because that is not representative anymore mm. of 22nd, uh, 21st century living. <laughs> you know, let's not skip ahead. <laughs> and it would be odd, we've said before, if you had a, a news programme where there were two male anchors, it would look odd, and mm. to be honest, that going even going back to Richard and Judy, all those you know, a couple of a few decades ago now, that spark, you know, Anne Diamond and Nick Owen, Owen, you know, back even further than that, 
that dynamic, Frank Bow and uh, <laughs> Selena Scott, you know, all the way back to the beginning of the 80s, it's been that way for a long time. So mixing it up a bit, it's been going on for a lot longer than people give it credit for, but that doesn't mean that you've got to go back and, and do everything the same way. You wouldn't set a drama in, in India in the 1850s and pepper it with white people because it, it draw you out of it. It's it's the, the whites in India in that, that point were colonialist Englishmen trying to go over and, and control the bloody thing. But if it was set in a, an Indian village, I would want an Indian cast. I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want the token white in there mm. because that's not the story. It's you're just taking it out. It, all of a sudden, you've got somebody in there that doesn't fit. Yeah, I do agree, and particularly when you're talking about things like that. Then yes, it, the the around the world in eight days. I really don't see that that makes a difference. I I just think that he, you know, they they probably auditioned, and yes, it was the BBC. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't just say, "Oh yeah, out of the hundred people we auditioned, you were you were the best man for the job." There was there was there was no <laughs> doubt an agenda that we have to have at least one person of color in the cast. Mm. But having said that, they did as part of the story. They used his blackness, uh, you know, within the story. Yeah. So he wasn't just. You know, just pretend he's not black, you know, that kind of thing. But they also didn't rewrite the story. You know, they, it wasn't. It was. It was a retelling, but it was faithful to the original, which I've never read. So I assume it's a brilliant. <laughs> it is a brilliant book. Yes, it is. Although I believe there's a sequel, uh, which there never was. No. So is, is it going back around the other way? <laughs> no. Apparently, though, what they're going to do is redo the other Jules Verne novels, but with those three from around the world in 80 days what? as the main characters. So they're, they're not going to be retellings of the story. They're going to be... Oh, adaptations. no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. All the Jules Verne novels have got really good casts in it. They don't... Mm. Oh, God, no. Oh, the BBC. Anyway, well, that's for a future debate. But um, <laughs> I, I see where you're coming from in terms of by trying to include everybody in everything... It does just make everything just a bit, uh, it's all the same. Yeah. Um, And there are cases where it's absolutely wrong to just crowbar someone in just to suit uh, an agenda. Well, I'll climb back on the old faithful hobby horse (laughs) and point at Doctor Who. (laughs) I wondered how long. Yes. Oh, God. We have had, over the past 17 years, a lot of diverse companions. Mm Mm-hmm. And they've all been bloody good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still think Clara's my number one on many levels. But I, I love I love Clara Oswald, played by Jenna Coleman. But I think second is Pearl Mackey, Bill Potts. Mm. Should have been woke alert. Yeah. Black lesbian. But no, because she was written as a person, as a real person. And the lesbian aspect of it, it was just in there. And it was touched on, and it was part of the story. It wasn't. You do realise I'm a lesbian, don't you? Mm. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm a lesbian, you know. Yeah. And black. Yeah, if she'd have been straight, then the story would have worked just as well. Yeah, but, it, it was nothing. Yeah. It was the, the lightest of whispers. And that's how you do it. Yeah. yeah. Not the series after. <laughs> I'm Indian. Oh, I'm black. I'm disabled. Have I told you I'm disabled? I'm black. And uh, I've got a, a white step-granddad, and he married a black woman. 
but he's a white male apologist. Oh, and and so and you've got an Indian background. Oh, so are, are your are your family? And it's just all crowbar, crowbar, crowbar to the point where none of the characters were remotely interesting. It's just tick, tick, tick. We've ticked all the boxes, but they're not real people. Yeah, Bill Potts. Literally, the series before Bill Potts should have been the biggest woke backlash ever, mm. but she wasn't because she was a real person. Yeah. Her skin colour and her sexuality, although a big part of who she was, and, you know, it wasn't, again, mm. it wasn't just, just pretend she's white. You know, it, there was nothing like yeah. that. But it wasn't every single thing. And, you know, the 12th Doctor didn't say, well, I've got a black companion now. We better uh, better go and see what Rosa Parks was going up to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I've got, I've got an Asian, I've got an Asian companion. Uh, Let's go and see the partition yeah. of India, shall we? Yes. Oh, look, we've just wandered into this. I think the only time there were two, the twice in the whole series that Bill Potts's skin color was mentioned, and it was both done really, really skillfully. Yes. One was the Frost Fair, where she they land in Victorian England, and she says hello, yeah. and, and looks at her, yeah, you know, I'm going to stick out. She's like, yeah, you, you don't. And it wouldn't have been a completely out of the ordinary sight to see a black woman in London at, at, at that stage. Yeah. It's, it's, but the other time, as I've mentioned before, <laughs> they step out of the TARDIS and they see this bright blue alien and she's just there staring at him and he turns around and says, ah, oh, look, a racist. <laughs> Turning it completely yeah. on its head in a clever way, in a skillful way. And then you get Chris Chibnall, who's just, hello! <laughs> yeah, and that, that scene, you know, the, the scene with the old looker racist, Chibnall would have made that into a whole episode. Oh, about, well, you can't call me a racist, I've been through this. And, and yeah. Doctor Who's a great example. Um, on so many levels, it's just the best program ever written because every week it's something completely different. There's, it's not just on a spaceship with aliens every mm. week. It's completely different and always has been right back to the start. But pretty much in every story, there's been, if not a political, but a, a moral subtext. And it's been so deeply buried that it rises to the surface in tiny little bubbles. Yes. But you get the message. Yeah. It might be one line buried in episode three. Blink and you've missed it, but it's there. Mm. Not with Chibnall. It's been the whole thing, front and centre, we are politically correct. This week, we're going to talk about disabled people. (laughs) (laughs) He may as well have come on screen and said that. And that is where woke is taken to uh, as a, a term of... That's where it gets its bad, it's, bad yeah. press from. Yeah. Because we have now got to the point where it's considered to be, if you're not virtue signalling all the time, <laughs> you're clearly not doing enough. Yeah. And you're clearly, subconsciously, a bit of a racist. Yes. It doesn't work like that. The, uh, God, I'm, I'm sick of hearing myself say that, but the world is now so binary. You are either all for or all against. There is no shades there's nothing in the middle. Yeah. The world isn't like that. So, yes. <laughs> that, was, that was very profound. No, so um, I I think we have wandered, well, a little bit off topic, but but also we've covered quite a bit uh, for, for a fairly light-hearted, uh, yeah. for, from, from the M&M path we've strayed. So um, I think it's time to get out the feather bowers. Probably. 
I, I think it obviously depends which way you look at it. There is the danger that trying too hard is just going to make everything vanilla. But at the same time, we do live in an increasingly diverse world. So if it's done properly, then we can be more inclusive in everything, media, books, TV, and it can be done properly without people even noticing. And one day, the likes of that Fox News guy, <laughs> like you know, they'll all be dead and people won't notice. And that'll be a nice thing. And then, and then you, you know, you'll go along, and you know, we'll we'll watch an episode of Doctor Who that's set in the seventeen hundreds, and our children won't notice the color of the skin and thing. And but you, you know, you'll say, I don't think that was historically accurate. There was a, there was a black guy, uh, you know, in charge of that uh, railway. Uh, but but yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. What that was Congratulations for inventing the steam train a couple of centuries early. Yes. <laughs> oh, the blacks got there first. The bloody bastards. I know. So, how many boas? Um, I think uh, because because it's one that could go either way. I am going to go down the middle with three. Uh, it's very tempting to sort of because it, it is a it is a. Something that really just pissed me off. It's it's tempting to steam in with five, an hysterical five, but I'm not going to give it a five because that's exactly the thing that I rail against. I'm going to give it four. Mm. I think the you sort of highlighted there really what the problem is with wokeness. It's not so much, oh, look at this series. It's a brand new series. Oh, look, somebody's gay in it. Yes, you're going to get the odd knobhead on Twitter that uh, just can't handle the fact that somebody's not straight and white in England. It's historical revision. When, once you start altering stuff that's been the same way for years and nobody's bothered about it, and all of a sudden you've got to change it to fit the new virtue signaling agenda. There's nothing offensive about it, but you've got to change it regardless just to fit the new agenda for no reason at all. I think that's where the backlash comes in. That will be, I'm going to give it four. I, I just can't stand changing stuff for the sake of it. What I would far rather do, and I've said this before as well, write stuff that just includes people by osmosis. Don't signpost it. Don't mm. go overboard with it. Just write stuff that has this as part of it. Yeah. And if you want talented writers that do this, look no further, Stephen Moffat and... Russell T. Davis. It's always been just slipstreamed in. You don't even know that you're watching it. It's just there. Yeah. Things don't need signposting. The best way of moving society forward is not to tell them that you're doing it. Mm. Yes. Very good. Well, it's time to uh, get the remote control out for <laughs> Screening Queens. Ba -ba 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 -ba. <laughs> What have we got? Well, I, uh, this just came to me as we were chatting, but I think it's, it's quite a good example of how you can be more inclusive, but in a sort of non-patronising way. And I'm not, not sure if you've seen it yet, but it's called The Gilded Age. No, I have not. So this is uh, the new uh, series from Julian Fellows, the creator Ooh. of Downton Abbey. No, it's not a prequel. To I was going to say, is this the one that's set before Downton Abbey with yes. Cora and, well, it, and Robert? It's set before Downton Abbey, um, I think about 40 years before Downton Abbey, mm. but it's also set in New York. So I've got a feeling that Cora is going to come into it at some point. Mm. But 
the reason why I've picked it is because one of the main characters in in, in the Gilded Age is played by a black woman. Mm-hmm. But she is a character who is a writer and she's, you know, she has got a bit of a bit of money to her name. But they haven't just crowbarred it in as in, you know, like like we've been saying, well, we're going to have to cast some black people. So and her character has been written in so that when she walks into a room, everybody looks at her and, you know, <laughs> in a horrified way. And obviously it's New York. So there was, you know, there was, they did know what black mm. people look like. She comes from the other side of the river and she is treated, you know, she, she gets a job as a, as a secretary. And even then, that's a, a really high-powered job within the household. For a black woman, yeah, at yes. that time. Yes, yes. Uh, but the way that she's treated by the other downstairs staff is really, you know, it's, it's very cleverly written. Julian Fellows is, of, is yes. great at stuff like that. But it was just, just a good way of, if you were going to write a historical drama set around about that time and you were going to have to include a black person, the simple thing would be, to put Hit them it head down. on. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the lazy thing and what yeah. we would traditionally have done, put them downstairs, which is where the most most black people in New York probably were mm. at the time. But what they've said is, what we're going to give give her something. But it's it's not stupid or unrealistic. So very good. And also a very good series to watch. See, Julian Fellows, the way that he's... Uh, Downton Abbey was noticeably devoid of black people. Even the, the mm. recent movie, when we see the, the first Downton Abbey movie, I just remember joking about it with you that um, Maggie Smith would have been replaced by Rusty Lee <laughs> in the movie version <laughs> to be diverse. Sadly, and not. there wasn't a single... Bear in mind, this is 1920s Yorkshire, not the most diverse place mm. in the world. And there, there wasn't, there was none of that peppering with, you know, the, the token black character. Yeah. There was none of that in there at all. And it made it a better film for it yes. rather than being unrealistic. When there was a black character in it, and I think it was series five or six, when Rose was courting a, a mm, jazz player, jazz it was treated in the way that it would have been treated at the time, which was controversy and resistance Standard, and yeah. no, you're not. We're, you are, we're going to get you away from this man. You don't date. That's how it would have been. Now mm. that, I don't mind. It's realistic for the time. Yeah. It would be monstrous to write that now in the, the modern day. That's, yes. That's, because that's just not how, well, not for anybody who counts, that's not how life is mm. now. But it was written sympathetic to the time. So I don't mind that. It's when things are rewritten to be like, ah, yes, this is my best friend, uh, best friend Hugh. Um, he's from Trinidad and, uh, yes, and, oh, hello, Hugh, welcome aboard. Would you like the port? <laughs> in 1880 or something, we just wouldn't have been mm. in any way realistic for people to react that way. They just didn't. If they'd ever seen a black person at all in those days. I mean, yeah. A lot of people hadn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, sympathetic treatment of, of that. Julian Fellows, again, he's, an, he's just another one of those writers. He knows what he's doing. Mm. Yes. So, yes. There's also a gay in it as well. So A gay? In that day? Oh, Surely not. It's disgrace. They didn't exist until the 1980s, surely. <laughs> and when they did come along, they brought AIDS with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ken, you've, uh, you've, you've, burst, you've burst the woke and uh, politically correct <laughs> bubble there. So uh, we'll, we'll call it a day, uh, but we'll be back next week. Yes, let's call it a gay. <laughs> and we shall... S- <laughs> Thanks for listening, boys and girls. Ta-ta. Bye.
Nine Bob Node featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Title music was by Mark Scheiman, and the program was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.